Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels. A casual conversation. Hello, world. This is Video Game Crosstalk, the bi-weekly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I am your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is Andy Polidor. Andy, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, Anthony. I'm very excited to be here. Dude, absolutely awesome. Uh, definitely, thanks for coming through. Andy is previously of the 8-Bit Burbank podcast. Uh, if you have heard of them. I'm sure you're enjoying their podcast. If you haven't, definitely go check them out. Now, I say you were previously with, you've kind of taken a step back due to your new job. It's just a lot to juggle all at the same time. And trust me, I understand how that goes. Uh, how long were you with Bit Bourbon? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, over two years, a weekly podcast, usually an hour, sometimes three hours. We went through a little bit of that. <laughs> sometimes three hours, yeah. Um, and we were just talking uh, prior to recording this that if you want to talk about like spinning off on tangents, episode four, the last episode of this podcast, Joe Berman and I, we just spun off repeatedly. Uh, and then there's a spot later on in the podcast where I actually have to like jump back 20 minutes at a time to get back to our original topic. <laughs> it was my, actually kind of funny. That's my favorite thing, man. You know, I mean, it's about being passionate. And um, yeah, it's what's really cool about Ava Bourbon is I did that for two years. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if, if you haven't heard, it's weekly video game topical news type stuff and what's great is it's still going and they added some new people and they're still recording it and like one of my big goals with the podcast was never never to be like famous or you know a, a job type thing it was just to kind of build a community and we actually have a slack channel and we're all in there all the time which you should totally join i don't know if you've ever seen us tweet it out um, uh yeah i'm actually in the in that uh oh yeah that's that right channel as well that's right you you, you, you got to be uh, more active though um i know i know what you I know. I will. But, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, but but building the community was really cool and meeting a bunch of people and like that's obviously how we met and uh it was great, man. It was a great run and I'm like super happy to see that that people are still, you know, taking the reins and and going forward with it. And I, I as we discussed kind of pre-show, I would like to do my own thing again and probably do more of an interview podcast kind of like you're doing now. I just All have right. been kind of balls to the walls with work, so I haven't um haven't done it yet. Yeah, work could be pretty intense. So what else you got going on other than a little bit of gaming here and there and work? Anything else happening? Oh, God. Uh, I'm extremely excited for fall. It's my favorite time of the year. I'm a diehard oh, nice. New York Jets fan, which tempers that excitement a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, nothing crazy. Just went to Montreal with work, which was super fun. And, oh, nice. Um, yeah, and it, really awesome town. If, if you've never been, totally go. And other than that, man, yeah, just hanging out. How about you? Um, just started, uh, well, as I've mentioned, I just started a new job, so that's still pretty new. Still learning all the ins and outs of that thing. I'm um, not sure if I mentioned it on this podcast, but I am now a what's called a technical editor, which uh, is the most mind-numbing job description you can possibly imagine. I basically update <laughs> technical and operational manuals. It's oh, it, the the description is terrible, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't talk about my job all that much on this uh, on the podcast just for you know obvious reasons. But um, 
it's actually pretty fun. Uh, I work with a great group of people, so that's been taking up a whole lot of my time. And uh, if I can complain about life a little bit, uh, oh, I just made an appointment to schedule my car maintenance, my 100,000-mile service at the garage. So that's going to be oh. freaking fantastic on the wallet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm leasing right now, so I'm running through the, so I live on Broadway in the town that I live in, which is a mm-hmm. two, like a three minute walk from work, and I, I leased a car, re- like before I had this job, because it made sense tax wise, whatever, boring. But now I'm mm-hmm. like, do I buy a car in June when it's up? When I drive 50 miles a week? <laughs> Probably more than that, but, but, but not much. Or do I, or do I lease another one? Like what makes more sense? Is it gonna, is the car gonna go bad sitting there not driving? If so, I should lease it because I can just give it back. Right. Um, it's gotta so be, how a, do, being an adult. How do hard. leases work as opposed to purchasing? Oh, I've known a few people who do it, but how does that actually work? It's basically just a monthly, you, you agree to a monthly, um, payment and you get it for X number of years, usually the standard's three years and an X number of miles a year, which I think the standard's 12,000, uh, miles a year. I, upped it to well, 15,000 because I was driving a lot at the time, which is great now. Um, and then you uh, have an option well, yeah, to buy, but you should never do that because it's a rip <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, when I purchased my car that I'm driving now, uh, I was at the time being poised for a like middle management job, which unfortunately did not come. Mm-hmm. Oops. Oops. Uh, and I actually <laughs> bought the car new, like off the showroom floor. I was a little too excited about yeah. my, uh, Pending promotion because I was like fresh out of college. I was driving a 95 Taurus at the time and I'm about to get like my first really big break. So I'm like to the Acura dealership. Uh, it's tough. It's <laughs> tough, man. I mean, I think what you do learn though is, and that's okay. That's an okay mistake to make when you're young. Um, I think mm-hmm. obviously, you know, whatever, but what I was gonna say was, um, I think no matter what you should probably buy used because it's oh, like, it's like buying a boat. It's like, you know, as soon as you drive off the lot, you know, there goes X percentage of the, of the value. Oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's I'm like not saying you have to buy a t- 2007, but by 2015 or 2014, you know? Right. Yeah. I was actually looking at 2013s. Yeah. Um, I might be able to grab one. Like there's a few dealerships around that have the, the, uh, I'm looking at the Acura ILX, which is their newer, uh, entry level model. Okay. And you can get like a 2013 at some dealership for like 16,000. Mm, Which is right. like nothing not bad. Yeah. Oh, as, as far as like a 2013 is concerned at, at the uh, Acura level. So I mm. might be doing that, God willing. The only thing is like this car has been paid off for six years. This thing has been paid off. My advice, you just started your new job. Give it. Um, yeah. Give it, give it a little more time. How amazing is it having $0 a month go to your car? Oh, it's so great. <laughs> that is so great. I mean, I still got another 50 years or so until my student loans are paid off. Oh, yeah. Well, but, I mean, those uh, are – whatever. You're going to die with those. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. That, that I don't even factor into my budget. I just consider that a monthly expense. No, it's a wash. It is what it <laughs> that, is. Yeah. Yeah, that's all on par with like your electrical bill and stuff like that. So it's not going away anytime soon. But um, anyway, so that's fun. I get to drop the car off tomorrow morning, so – Life, life, it happens. But being an adult is just terrible, you know? It just it is. really is. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to do it eventually. Oh, man. I, 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 uh, when I moved out of, I lived in New York for six years, and uh, when I moved out of there, I, I had to get a U-Haul, and I drove 
or I took the subway to Brooklyn and then rented it and drove it across the Brooklyn Bridge. And this thing didn't have a rearview mirror because it had like the wall between me and the storage. Well, yeah, and there's it, no point for a uh, rearview mirror with a right. uh, with a U-Haul. What are you gonna do? Look at the the sheet metal? Exactly. So so I'm driving across the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm parking on a one way street in Manhattan, loading my stuff. I got a ticket. I was closest I've ever been to like fighting a police officer. <laughs> Because I actually paid for the parking and whatever. I don't even want to get into it. It's just okay, all right. And uh, I just ended up like, oh, like this. Oh, this lady looks nice. Here, take my dresser. Like I was just so over it. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a good. You know, like I was just I needed to get out of there. Drove across the bridge. They're like, if you go under, you can actually hit your roof. So uh, don't do that. So like now I'm like sweating. Like oh my god, I need to make sure I find the right um, exit here and. Fast forward to when I just moved to uh, Saratoga, where I now live, and I had nothing for my apartment because <laughs> I came all the way. So it was like, it's just thousands and thousands of dollars just, you know, just to get a friggin' couch and a carpet. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yep. Started from ground. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, like, hmm, probably shouldn't have given away that dresser. That was just kind of curious. No, that was all a mistake. All a mistake. <laughs> <sighs> Getting older, isn't that great? Oh, all that's right. The best. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll move into some news. <laughs> sure, let's do it. All right, so let's do all right, gonna start off with some tech and science news, and um, these all came about relatively recently. The first one I've got on here is the tardigrade protein helps human DNA withstand radiation, hmm. and this is an article from Scientific American that I've got. Let me uh, pop open this. Now, as I right. told you, I have done no research on any of this, so I'm just going to be uh, giving you my thoughts right off the cuff. I'm sure it'll be extremely valuable. <laughs> all right, yeah. Unfortunately, um, schedules got all mixed up, so uh, Andy's coming in filling in for me. And uh, are you familiar with that? With what a tardigrade is? Uh, not really. No. Okay, so education time. Let's do it. Um, so a tardigrade is a microscopic organism. It's also known as a water bear. If you've got the show notes, I included a link for you. And it is this little, pudgy, ugly thing. And it's either ugly or irresistibly adorable. Definitely seen this thing before. Okay, so okay. I guess I kind of do. Yeah. Okay, so they're pudgy microscopic animals that look like a cross between a caterpillar and a naked mole rat. That's basically what it is, <laughs> uh, in, in essence. But here's the thing about the tardigrades. These things can survive space. They survive the most extreme weather conditions. They've actually been like completely dehydrated and reconstituted. Interesting. And like come back to life. Yeah, these things are absolutely insane. Uh, if you ever get the chance, you or any of the listeners to this, uh, do a little bit of reading on this. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, has done a few explanations of these things uh, on his Cosmos program, and they are featured in the. Uh, Natural History Museum down in Manhattan. And these things are just awesome little buggers. They survive like the most ridiculousness that this planet has to offer. And so what scientists have been doing... Are, are these guys, uh, are they are they're like, they've been around since like the prehistoric era type thing too? Where they like, they've survived yes. everything? Yeah. Yeah, they've survived like the ice ages. And just, like they just will not die off. And... Uh, by the way, I'm going to go with uh, kind of cute. In fact, I think we might be able to make like a stuffed animal out of this thing that might sell big. I'm just saying. Um, uh, you say might podcast. be a little bit behind the curve because definitely put tardigrade plushie. 
Come into on. the search engine. Oh, you think I'm kidding. I thought I just made a million-dollar idea. I was going to say cut this out of the podcast. I don't want somebody stealing it. No, you're a little too late. But anyway, what they've been doing is that they discovered a protein. I'm reading this directly from the from the article. Uh, is, uh, Kaneda, the researcher, and his colleagues have discovered a protein known as DISA, uh, which prevented the animal's DNA from breaking under the stress of radiation. Hmm. So... Wow. This is interesting. So what we're trying to do now is if we can splice that into human cells. So they also, they also found that the tardigrade-tinged human cells were able to suppress X-ray-induced damage by 40%. So that is, hmm. that is beyond significant. Hmm. This is very interesting. So it sounds very interesting for things like cancer treatment. Obviously, any, anything to dealing with radiation, X-rays, all that stuff. Is this something that they are trying to, uh, you know, figure out a way to insert into the human yep. condition yep. somehow? Yep, it goes on in the and article. How does that work? Okay, yeah, um, I'm well, very It's highly in interesting for medicine, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we can somehow tinge, like certain, like you said, tinge certain cells, it would benefit people undergoing radiation therapy. Mm. So, I mean, now, neither of us being medical professionals no um we're not exactly sure how this would all work but we can dream and we can (laughs) speculate but uh it would be interesting if they could figure out a way where if you uh enhanced certain areas um with this protein or somehow work with this protein to increase our resistance to these uh damaging rays would we then be able to use more intense radiation Mm -hmm. during these therapies without detrimental effect to the patient. Mm, yeah, I mean, that it's super interesting because, I mean, I, I'm assuming everyone knows this already, but uh, just in case, you know, you're basically treating cancer with radiation that can also cause cancer, right? So it's super dangerous right. to go under radiation therapy. Um, my, my mom had bladder cancer, and they were able to use, like, a liquid directly into the bladder, which okay. worked, which worked awesome, but there's certain cancers that, you know, you just basically have to blast a ray through and you're going through their neck, through their jaw, let's say, like all that stuff. So like you said, there, there you know, there's this crazy trade-off. And I, I've watched a few documentaries on that. It's like that's – it's an amazing science because it's like this trade-off of how much can we get away with, how minimally can we – like where's the angle so that we hit less stuff and uh, how – Hi, can we dial up the radiation because we're hitting healthy cells as well as the cancer right. cells? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the unfortunate thing about the radiation therapy. It's like you don't just focus in on that one lump, that one cancerous tumor. You go straight through the entire body. It's a straight, it's a through and through, if mm-hmm. we may use like ballistic terms. Right. So, so there's, there's, like, there's, there's an exit wound, basically. <laughs> it's going right. all the way through. It's going all the way through everything in front, everything behind. And yeah, I mean, trying to angle it so that you either go between other vital organs or something. So this definitely some uh, interesting stuff going on. Um, best of luck to these guys. I have no idea when any of this may even come to fruition. Uh, yeah, later on, I, the article also adds some interesting ideas. Uh, Kunina adds that these findings may also one day protect workers from radiation in nuclear facilities or help us grow crops in extreme environments such as the ones found on Mars. Mm. So that's some additional stuff that they may be able to work on based off of the tardigrades proteins. Mm, or astronauts in general because radiation in space is obviously a major 
oh, risk yeah. factor. So, uh, I wonder how much radiation people like on the International Space Station absorb. Or how much they're exposed to. Question. I mean, I think they're probably shielded in the building and their suits and stuff when they're outside. Um, yeah. Obviously, I, when I, I say when I say probably, I mean I have no idea. But right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to say almost definitely. Uh, again, based on my limited experience, but I mean they have no benefit of an atmosphere to filter anything out. Exactly. At that right. point. So I mean they so must I, because they'd be in trouble otherwise. Oh yeah. But um, hey, if they can get some uh, innate resistance maybe we could you know, reduce the thickness or reduce the weight of the protective material yeah i mean yeah it's it's uh it's super interesting because you know they dump billions of dollars into cancer research it's got to be the number one um you know charity fundraiser all that stuff oh and yeah breast cancer research is just like off the charts with funding exactly and like you know i don't want to downplay like i'm sure they've come a long way with the treatments but as far as a cure it sounds like it's not even close well but actually you this know is... this is a little bit of a segue into the next one. Oh, perfect uh, well i was just gonna the... say that at least this really helps treatment which is an interesting kind of like side thought on the cure you know whereas like we can take our treatments and make and, and make them 100 percent effective where right you know maybe that is the quote-unquote cure on some level but anyway yeah go ahead and segue sorry <laughs> uh yeah no it's cool because um mark zuckerberg uh, and his wife Priscilla Chan pledged three billion to fighting disease. And uh, what I thought was really interesting and excessively lofty about this, but hey, this is this is the type of news that you really need to like broadcast and the type of initiatives you need to get people talking about. It's just diseases. So basically, hmm. he just wants to help fund disease research. And uh, in the photo that's at the top of the article, this is from New York Times. Can we cure all diseases in our children's lifetime? Hmm. So the the lofty idea is just cure everything. And to bring that back to the cancer research, one of the problems with cancer is that there isn't one singular type of cancer. And that's a sticking point or a touchy subject or a little bit of a nuance that I don't right. know like how widespread that knowledge is known. Because whenever you look on Facebook or Twitter or news, it's like, oh, I'm dedicating this much money to cancer research or cancer sucks or anything regarding cancer. It's like cancer is just an umbrella term for a slew of other, I guess, diseases that all share similar symptoms. Right. And and your point being, if you cure one of them, you are probably not, certainly, you know, necessarily not curing all of the other ones. So it's not, oh, it's no. not like this magic pill that's going to cure all of them, probably. Um, no, it's, let's say there's, there's hundreds of different types of cancer caused by all different types of things that with their own little nuances. So it's not like this pill, this treatment, this chemical, this whatever uh, mm-hmm. is able to cure this specific type of this type of cancer so that's where things kind of get a little bit more gray but this idea i mean he's donating what did it say in the article uh last year they said they would give 99 percent of their facebook shares to charitable causes good lord yeah so 99 percent do are they part of i know um bill gates and warren buffett started kind of like this billionaires club of they're gonna leave like 90 something percent of their um fortune to charity not necessarily disease um, Mm -hmm. related stuff but to charity which is amazing um you know like bill gates is leaving his kids like i don't remember what the numbers are and obviously they're 
awesome for those kids, mm-hmm. but, but, but who needs, who needs $20 billion, right? So that, that's his thought process. Like even $1 mm-hmm. billion is more money than you and your next generations could ever spend. Right. Um, um, actually, it's there's actually linked into the article, and yes, they are part of this. It's okay. called the Giving Pledge. The Giving Pledge. Giving, that's it. Yep. GivingPledge.org, and you can see who the current members are. And uh, I mean, obviously, I have no idea who any of these people are because I'm a pedestrian, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but um, that's the idea. They they just give their money to charity and other philanthropic. Charities. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's how you butcher stuff. All right, go ahead. Uh, philanthropic. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th- th- this is interesting to me. So I, I, ha- I kind of have two thoughts on this. Um, the first thought, obviously, it's amazing. That's great. This is what billionaires should do. Um, this is why you know it, it, the you, I'm not going to get political because it's always mm-hmm. a bad idea on any podcast. But there yes. is something to be said for um, very rich people normally donate a lot of money. That is a thing that happens. Whether that's good for the country, that's a totally different conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But – or the world in, in these guys' cases because they are not worried about America. Like I mean Bill Gates especially, he spends a ton of his money, if not most of it, in Africa mostly but other you know third world countries. And, and the idea okay. there being for every dollar you spend, you're going to get a lot more of a return, right? Because yes. they have got nothing, right? Like, like they don't have basic – Healthcare. They don't have basic. Um, they don't have clean water. Right. They don't have clean water. They, they like they're dying from diseases that we don't even think about. <laughs> um, like I remember. Oh, there was like I don't know what type of stupid scandal involving the the Clintons. And again, uh, also stated on the previous podcast, this is not a political podcast. We're just <laughs> stating facts and yeah. you know purely scientific and objective. Chelsea Clinton was involved in speaking about, well, and of course they had to make a joke about it. Oh, she gets paid so much money or gets involved with talking about diarrhea. And it's like, well, diarrhea is part of dysentery, which comes from not having clean water. And that's actually a major problem in these you know, poor countries around the world. I mean, here in America, we can just turn on the tap of any one of the numer- numerous faucets within our house or apartment, and we have basically no issues with drinking the water. Which would blow their mind, right? Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> except for a few like cities that are recently in the news for having water issues, um, but the overarching trend is you can go to pretty much any community in the continental U.S. and not worry that you're going to die mm-hmm. from drinking water that comes out of multiple faucets. Yeah. Through and, your house. Yeah, and, and you know, as far as that goes, I mean it's dehydration, it's it's you can't absorb nutrients. I mean, have any has anybody played the Oregon Trail, for God's sake? Oh right. You always die of dysentery. <laughs> That's that, that gets you every That's time. That's what you die of. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that leads to all other sorts of like health issues. And um so yeah, donating three billion dollars. Yeah. So so I my, will never see that in my lifetime. So no, God no. So my my two pronged comment here is now i have not read the article so before anybody tweets me um hate mail i don't know the specifics of this but the devil's advocate part of me just wants to mention that is giving three billion dollars to fighting disease in general is that efficient 
You know what I'm saying? Is that mm-hmm. is that the best use of that three billion dollars? Is that where is that going exactly? What researchers? What charities are? Do they spend their money properly? You know how many charities these days? Some big oh, ones yeah. that are total hoaxes. You know they're 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 mm-hmm. spending ninety percent of the charity on paying their people. Um, yep. Yo, that's the, no, a that's off a, the trail. That's but no, that's actually you know let's take some time to talk about that because sure. that's an issue that I also feel strongly about. Just because they're a charity and they claim to do a lot of things. Look into this charity. There's all sorts of like charity watch, watchdog websites out there that'll give them ratings and uh, break down like where their money goes. You know? mm-hmm. Is their money or are they appropriating money to the public benefit? Is the money going to the need or the causes that they are claiming, or is it going to their CEOs or their members' um, bank accounts? Are they spending the majority of their money on advertising or, quote-unquote, administrative costs and stuff like that? And this is a rampant problem. Like, this is in some of the biggest charities that you've heard of. Like, there are several that are – and there's a couple cancer ones that are are up there. So Mm -hmm. you have to be careful, and and that's why – you know, the holiday season and, um, you know, I live in Saratoga and there's the racetrack and there's always charities asking for money. And it's almost like at times you almost feel like they're judging you for not giving money. And it's, I just want to be like, you know, I like to give to charities, but I don't know where that money's going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I've never heard of that charity. Like, well, who am it's, I giving it's, this and money it's to? unfortunate, isn't it? Cause you want to give, you want to be a good person. Sure. But like, I don't know you, I don't know that charity and it is a significant problem. Um, my wife and I, we have a few charities that we, that we enjoy, um, that we regularly give to. Uh, we do give to public radio, uh, mm-hmm. NPR, the local NPR station. That's awesome. In the capital region. Yeah. And I think their fun drive is starting up soon. I've been hearing a few ads on NPR that, you know, going to start up the fun drive soon. But um, also we've given to uh, Heifer International. Yes. Dude, gonna... that's, that's, my, that's my mom's favorite charity, and it's my oh, favorite nice. charity because um, I also – Patrick Rothfuss is my favorite author – because the name of the wind books, which King Keller Chronicles is the name of the series, is like my okay. favorite series ever. And my mom was already into the Heifer charity before that. And then he splits his time between writing these books. And he's only written two of them. The third one, he's getting a lot of <laughs> crap. Sorry for um, – nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Thanks for keeping it classy, Andy. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, my bad. For you – know, you're, you're going to have audacity, so – um, yeah, yeah, we'll take care of it <laughs> for not, uh, for not writing the book fast enough. And in reality, he like a full-time job runs this charity where he has a, you know, a blog and a website and, um, it's called world builders. And I try to buy like all my Christmas gifts there because he gives like a ton of the oh, money nice. to heifer. Um, and I don't know if you want to explain heifer a little bit. It's a super interesting charity. Um, yeah, sure. I'll go for it. Um, and correct me if I get anything wrong, but from mm-hmm. what I understand is Heifer International, you donate a set amount of money and they deliver a specific animal or type of batch of animals to a village in need. So depending on how much you spend, and I've got the power of the internet in front of me, so I'm going to take a quick second. I can just kind of explain the meta of it as you do that. Yeah, um, go for it. So the idea here is, you know, you can feed someone which is awesome. You can give someone clean water, which is awesome, but you're just going to need that income stream forever. Right. Cause it's, it's like the difference between giving, you know, teaching a man to fish for themselves. They can support themselves forever. So the idea here is you buy them an animal that they raise. Let's say it's chickens. They use the eggs to make food. They can also 
breed these animals that they get. I think they always try to do pairs. I might be wrong about that. So don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. But like the, what's, so like that's awesome already. They also have a lot of focus on sharing what goes on. So like if you give to one person, they're supposed to kind of like, supposed to be kind of like a community thing and they really kind of follow up with that. And what I didn't know about it. So that's awesome already, right? Like you can, right. you know, go, you can milk, whatever. Well, there's another thing that they do, which I didn't even know, which is they, they start to look at like the, how do you make crops grow better? What animals are there? And like, they, they look in such an in-depth thing where it's like, they're looking decades in the future. Right. So mm-hmm. like we can leave this community so that they're self-sufficient forever. Like that, that really is right. their goal more than anything else. So it's okay. just an awesome charity as far as like, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm looking at the, uh, the catalog right now. So as you said, you know, goat, you can basically pay to have a goat donated to this family or community. And if you click on some of these others, it'll give you more details of why a goat is significant. Yeah, so you have a goat, which, I mean, if you want to, you can eat, I suppose. But you can also get the milk and cheese from the goat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a heifer, which obvious benefits for that. Mm-hmm. Again, same, same, same line. Uh, sheep, llama, alpacas. Uh, you can take their wool for clothing and other you know, textile type things. Fish, you can donate. A community animal health worker kit. All right, so a kit to help them, you know, keep the animals healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, geese, chickens, ducks, bunch of other things. You can donate bees, which by I mean, there's a whole other discussion. But yes, honeybees, very mm-hmm. important for crop growth. And again, um, for products, you know, that you can sell. Right. So yeah, honey and the wax and everything else. So so Heifer International is like great stuff. Yeah, and it's um, it's I. I encourage anybody even if you're short on money can't give a lot right now or any just the website is super interesting to read about how mm-hmm. giving an animal like it, when i heard that at first i was like that's weird you know like right. not, not even weird but like that's it's different know, just, it's, it's it's different it, and then you read more than like, just like throwing a chunk of cash at a problem exactly and that and that's the thing that and that kind of ties back into this you know zuckerberg um okay uh, $3 billion is, is like, that is a specific goal that has a long-term plan. Um, and again, it's very possible that Zuckerberg and his wife have a very specific plan for this money. That makes sense. I just haven't seen it. Uh, I just think that mm-hmm. like, what if our kids could never have disease? <laughs> you know, what that if is we... very lofty. That is very, <laughs> lofty. I mean, obviously it's doing the job to get people talking about it. Sure. And that's, so, what's important, I'm, of course. Right. Um, and really quickly, uh, I'm also a fan of Doctors Without Borders. So mm. they kind of do similar stuff to what the Red Cross does, but they specifically focus on areas of conflict and uh, persistent health problems. Yep. So I've, I've heard of that. Yep. Yeah. So they, these are doctors that, well, you know, as the name suggests, Doctors Without Borders, uh, they go to these problem areas and they just like set up camp there for extended periods of time. And they're in these communities or in these areas, even if there's not a major crisis active, it's just that they need medical professionals. Mm -hmm. They just have a lack of medicine and medical professionals in these areas. So uh, we've donated to them as well. And a lot of times those, obviously, by that description, it should be obvious, but just in case, like, it's a danger, like, they're putting themselves in danger a lot of times oh, yeah. to do that job. So, Oh, these are not safe locations. Yeah. Certainly uncomfortable is the minimum word I would use mm-hmm. and many times dangerous and horrible, you know? So yeah, yeah, those are brave people. All right. Moving on 
I'm actually doing this a little bit out of order just because uh, I got excited about talking about the Tardigrad and how awesome those little guys are. Uh, oh, I need to make a note to add uh, a link to some Tardigrad plushies because oh, they're just so cute. Oh, I'm so jealous of that person. I, I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought I had the next idea that could that could uh, cure all the diseases when I make $5 billion. And, $5 billion and with their Tardigrad plushies. Awesome. <laughs> Andy, another reason why I brought you on here is you do some pretty interesting work. And we did talk. You are allowed to mention the company that you work for. Yep. Uh, you work for this company called Mad Glory, correct? Yep. Um, so, yeah. So just a little bit of a uh, recap. Like I worked in New York uh, as a bomb broker for six years. Um, I hated it. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> wait to get out. It was hard to walk away from the money, but I hated it. I woke up every morning and just was miserable. And I just knew I had to do something. So I got out of that. I was a computer science major. My hobbies are all tech. They're all video games. They're all anything tech related, basically. Mm-hmm. And bounced around a couple jobs, but found this company. I was actually ready to move back to New York. Like it was done. I told my friend, I was like, "Yeah, I'm probably gonna you know flop on your couch till I find an apartment." That's pretty much what you do <laughs> when you move. Right, yeah, yeah, that really is what you do. In New That's York what you have to do. There are no empty apartments just no. waiting for the picket. Exactly. <laughs> And there you, are beds and if you panic, uh, that are ready. <laughs> if you panic and like just pick the first one, you're not going to have a good time. So, um, yeah, so it was done and I was like, you know, I, I, I've always – the only place that I've you know, thought like I, I'd be very happy in upstate New York. I was like Saratoga. I love Saratoga and I started looking, found this place. Anyway, long, fast forward, it is the coolest job. It is basically a game studio that does everything other than the core game. So we work with okay. big video game companies, and what you find is most video game companies, they want to make a game, right? That's why they got into that. They don't want to think about the servers. They don't want to work on the matchmaking. They don't want to work on, like, the out, you know, and obviously I'm – maybe some do. But for the most part, you find that, the, you know, the people, especially the people that start the company, they want to make this amazing game. And, like, that's the thing that they want to do. And the people at my company, they have uh, just unbelievable experience from – a lot of them used to work at Agora, which was bought by MLG Gaming, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember MLG being like, you know, Halo tournaments and stuff, and mm-hmm. they all went from there. And uh, the CEO Brian started Mad Glory and basically brought like the team that was there to Mad Glory. So like they have a crazy amount of experience with backend services for, when gaming, which is not usual. Like we kind of joke sometimes. Like we, I don't think we really have like competition totally in the space because. No one focuses on this like we do. You know what I mean? Like other people do. All right. Um, so it's cool. So it started like the first client they had was Riot Games, which obviously is League of Legends, which is um, the biggest game, I think, in the world right now as far as monthly players and stuff. I would not be surprised. I mean, there's a, League of Legends is always in the news. Yeah, it's it's huge. And they, they were just bought by Tencent, which is crazy because they just bought um, – Oh, what is the company that owns like Clash Royale and Clash of Clans? It's like the biggest mobile company. So like Tencent is just they might take over the world for God's sake. Okay, it's crazy. It, yeah, like like you said, I can't talk about a ton because you know we well, protect. Yeah, protect the company, protect their clients' interests, and their you know trust. Yeah, we, we we don't talk about specific projects because that's you know mm-hmm. for the clients to. That's uh, just bad business. Decide. That's just bad. business. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, but uh, but yeah, we we work with Riot Games. We work with um. Super Evil Megacorp that makes uh, Vainglory, which is awesome. We've worked, I mean, we've worked with EA, we've worked with Activision, we've worked wow. uh, so, with uh, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just a, a ton of different game so, companies. So, do you work with any like indie developers, or just like did you just like get this client base and you're working with the big dogs? So, okay, so a perfect example is like one of our customers is uh, Bosky, and as far as indie game developers, Bosky is Cliffy B's new company. So indie, okay. probably not, because at the end of the day, w- you know, we need to stay, we need to keep our doors open. So like mm-hmm. companies need to be able to pay. Business is business. business, is business. Exactly. Companies need to be able to pay X to, you know, to keep our doors open. And that's very important for us. But there's some stuff that I can't totally talk about that we're working on that might help us kind of as a product, reach out to them a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they're, they're, as far as like, like one of our focuses is if, if, if a huge person or team leaves X company and starts Y company, we want to get in with them at the ground level because that's like our specialty and it's, and it's fun for us because we get to build things from scratch. We get to architect the things as opposed oh, nice. to fixing something, which is also awesome, but it's not quite the same level of um, scary but fun. You know what I mean? Like building mm-hmm. something from the ground up. And yeah, I mean, the people we work with are just the best. The customers that we have are just awesome. I, I happen to work with Super Evil Megacorp and like just everybody there is so great. And yeah, man, it's like from going from like the most soul crushing job of all time to something that like I wake up on Monday morning and I go, well, I'm going to work, you know, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, like right. I'm, I'm not, there's no part of me that goes, God, this is a disaster. Like, and I used to think that every day. So yeah. It's and awesome, I mean, it's, it's everyone's a, had that experience at some point in their working life. Yeah, absolutely. And and you need that to appreciate when you get the good job. I think that's important too. You know, and I know mm-hmm. you've been through that too. So, yep. um, yeah, <laughs> but and, and, hey, it happens and yeah. if you come out stronger if you are able to move on and find something else. And now you're the one that knows Eric, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I work with one of your friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it a friend? Um, How do you guys know each other? Uh, high school. We went to the okay. same school. Um, yeah, a little bit of uh, tidbits. Um, I've actually been on the 8-Bit Bourbon podcast a couple of times. Yep. And I remember when the first time I came on, you're like, hey, do you know this guy, Eric? And I'm like, Eric Straub? You're like, oh, yes. Yes, you do know Eric. You happen to see <laughs> our tweets to each other. Like, I don't even think I mentioned it to him. I think he just saw, because he follows 8-Bit Bourbon on Twitter, I think he just saw the tweets and he was like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's the best one. No, I think... Eric. Oh yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Yeah, man. Anyway, so, yeah, I you, guess that's a that's a, like my TLDR on uh, Mad Glory. It's I don't like it's like it's so hard because like I don't want to talk about it forever. I also don't want to you know say something I shouldn't say. And, gotcha. But at the same time, it's like yeah, it's just been it's been awesome. Every week is different, which is like for me what I needed. I mm-hmm. get bored with like the same thing every day. So, gotcha. um, so what is your job title at Mad Glory? I think everyone at Mad Glory has that's a programmer is software engineer. Okay, um, and it's funny because <laughs> I didn't realize that was such a controversial title. Apparently, I had no idea either. Yeah, apparently engineers don't like programmers using the term engineer. Um, oh, get off yourself! Yeah, there's a whole thing <laughs> that I saw that's like it's like a big deal, and the reason that we feel comfortable saying software engineer as opposed to programmer or whatever else you could call mm-hmm. a million different titles is because we don't know one language everyone at our company has worked with like every programming language that there is and like that is one of the skills that you have to have to work at mad glory is like pick up a language learn it on the fly um you know in the past i don't know uh six months i went from you know javascript c-sharp python go 
uh, C++. Um, I don't even know. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's really, okay. and, th- and not every company's like that. So that's why mm. we feel comfortable using that term. And it, I don't know anybody who has a problem with it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, just stop. <laughs> exactly. stop. So, um, oh, all right, cool. All right. So thanks for coming on. Uh, you bring a little bit of a different perspective uh, as far as some of the, um, the gaming topics are concerned. Yeah, we'll absolutely. So let's get out to some gaming. Uh, what do I got here? All right. So personally, um, I've been talking about this on each episode. I have recently completed Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Oh, man. This was such a great game. Okay. So I'm, you're going to have to do most of the talking here because I never All played right. the original or or this one, obviously. But I have heard amazing things about the original. Um, I know the general idea of it. And yeah. I was very happy to read the reviews. I'm a huge, like, review guy. I just love to read. Like, I'm even though I don't game nearly as much as I used to, I love to stay up on everything going on in gaming. And it was, mm-hmm. it was. I love to see when a game gets made and they it doesn't feel like a comic book movie rehash type thing. Like, it yeah. seems like they put some real effort and took some risks in it. So, yeah. um, so I mean, I'll keep this relatively brief because again, I've been talking about this like each episode, mm-hmm. um, but. It was really well done, I feel. Uh, they, just like the previous one, and there's been several, actually, Deus Ex games, but this one was a direct continuation from Deus Ex Human Revolution, and they used the concept of augmented humans as a surrogate for the racial tensions in hmm. the current world and society. Okay, so like they're it's, outcasts? So that's, Is that the idea? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, in Human Revolution, uh, everything was kind of okay. I mean, there were some people... Who didn't like the concept of people augmenting themselves to such a degree? Like there were like factions and sects within uh, the society of like humanity first uh, type things. But towards the end of Human Revolution, and this really isn't a spoiler since the game came out so many years ago, and it's and it's kind of critical to the plot of Mankind Divided. Someone decided that I'm going to prove to the world that. Augmentations are dangerous, and people who get these augs uh, can't be trusted. Hmm. And he hacked a satellite network that sent a signal to everyone's personal augmentations. And that augmentation sent out some type of electromagnetic wave that interfered with their brain function and turned them all to crazy, savage lunatics. Hmm. So in an effort to prove that people with augmentations are dangerous, they hacked the system and initiated like a worldwide panic. (laughs) Basically made them the thing that they wanted them to be kind of. Exactly. So then that event in Mankind Divided is now known as the incident Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what you do with a lot of things uh, to make it easier to manage. You give it a kind of a cutesy name or a less – heavy name, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And since the incident, uh, now Augs are being heavily uh, ostracized and persecuted. Um, as you go through the different metro stations through the city, there is a naturals line to like the left and the Augs line to the right. <laughs> and of course, the sign for the naturals is this happy green color. The Augs are this like death red color. So wait, and it's not illegal. You... It's just frowned right. upon? Okay. It's, yeah. 
Um, well, it's on the verge of becoming illegal. One okay. of the big plot lines, story arcs within the game, is that they're going to pass the hum- the Humanity Restoration Act, which will make augmentations illegal. So, which begs the question: How, how do you handle people who are already augmented? You know, do you just mm. you no longer have an do arm? You grandfather <laughs> them in, or do you put them in prison or kill them? Like those are the three uh, options. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you you send them to a uh, basically a concentration camp okay. is what it equates to. And uh, these different cities, like there's something called the Utilek, uh complex, where it's just a city of all hogs, hmm. and it's just like heavily oppressed the game just goes on to all sorts of current modern day like terrorism and manipulation of the news and societal pressures and tensions and through all of this they just use the concept of human augmentation and what they refer to as augs as the surrogate for all these tensions and discussions so hmm. um, my suggestion uh, if you're a fan of heavy plot lines uh, definitely go for it. I played a full stealth uh, playthrough. Um, a friend of mine at the office, I got him to play. He went full guns a blazing. Uh, you, you both uh, reached the same end product. Uh, definitely worth your time if you're into like the darker stealth and conspiracy type games. So, like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time with that because I've already hashed and rehashed this game over and over. But um, so moving on fairly quickly. Huh, uh, that actually that actually sounds pretty cool. It reminds me a lot of. Um... If you if you watch any, I won't get into this, but if you watch any Black Mirror, uh, the Netflix show, no, I didn't. Uh, so it, it it touches on a lot of technology related, very uh, like makes you uncomfortable topics, and it's really good. You should totally watch it. It's so in your wheelhouse from this podcast. It's just exactly something that you would like. All right, um, that's Yo, all. Send I'll me say a link it. on that. Send me a link on that. Yeah, I'll have I will. to check that out. Done. Okay, cool. And I'll throw that into the show notes. Oh, you'll love it. All right. It's so good. Cool. All right, so moving on briefly, uh, ReCore is, has finally been released on the Xbox One. Um, I have not yet had a chance to play this, but I've seen a few like gameplay videos and some of the other uh, – you can do the whole record that on the Xbox One. I've seen a few uh, video clips. Um, this looks pretty cool. Yeah, I, it, so I'm so torn on this because I, I love okay. the art style. I love the the guy behind it. It's a, you know a renowned game maker. It got bad reviews though, <laughs> and Ooh. and that's always yeah. tough for me because like I know a lot of people will say, well, reviews don't matter. Okay, well if you like a game and the reviews are bad, great, that's awesome. I totally agree. But mm. for the most part. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's, a, yeah, it's pretty likely that they're that they match up. You know, it's not always, yeah. but it's pretty likely. I mean, obviously, find a reviewer or a publication that you tend to agree with and stick with them because their preferences are your preferences. So you can kind of gauge it like that. Exactly. Right. Um, but for the most part, sometimes when they establish a trend, like if everyone's complaining about the same parts and everyone's kind of hovering around the same kind of points and pieces, mm-hmm. that's usually a pretty good indicator. Like one thing I know people are complaining about, and I thought they were going to have this fixed before launch, but um, there are like two minute load screens for mm-hmm. uh, respawning. That's, I mean that's that's unacceptable, that's especially for a game that's not uh, Doom level graphics. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. have that kind of that kind of respawn. And I, I've said this to people before, and again, this is probably unfair, but for the most part, it's true. A great way to see if a, especially a exclusive game is going to be good. How much marketing do they put in for it? 
I saw nothing about recoil yeah. like since E3. There's nothing. Right. Yeah, now that you mentioned nothing. it, there really was like no marketing. Yeah. It showed up at E3 a couple of times. Um, the gameplay video that I did see, it looked really in- like legitimately interesting. I mean, it's it a little cartoony for mm-hmm. me, for my personal preferences, but uh, the concept and like the creativity with the level design just seemed really cool. But yeah, now that you mention it, there really was no, especially for a, an exclusive. Yeah, and it's tough because you you don't – it's so hard because especially like I've always felt this way and especially like working kind of like more in the game industry now, I hate mm-hmm. talking bad about anything because f- there are some games that are let's vomit and sell it like the crap that it is. But for the most part, someone puts a lot of heart oh, and good God, effort yes. and it's, it's just like I've never put that kind of heart and effort into anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, like their worst game ever is something I can never make, but at the same time, oh, do I want to play it? Uh, I don't know. I would love. I would actually love for you to play it and let me know what you think. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'll see what I can do for <laughs> it. But um, but yeah, the hot seat. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll see what we can do with that. All right, moving on a little bit. Now I know I've played Destiny with Adam your former co-host mm-hmm. on uh, the Abe Berman podcast. So I played Destiny with him a few times, got him rolling with it. It's been a fantastic game in the later half. So I'm interested existence. I'm very interested in this. So like the reason that we haven't played together is because I played Destiny when it first came out mm-hmm. with my brother and a couple people and uh it was it was super interesting. It had I mean I'm a diehard Halo fan. It's probably my favorite series ever outside of Zelda because that's the best series ever. Um, but, because obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know I had the same complaints that everybody else had. It's uh, it was it, it controlled amazingly, and there was nothing to do right. So right. I have been tempted by every. Exp- I've never played one of the DLCs. I, I played vanilla. Um, Destiny a lot, and I've never played one of the DLCs. I've been very tempted to get back into it, and I just keep hearing better and better things about it. So, All right. sell me out. So I'm going to <laughs> fanboy a little bit right now. Okay. Uh, I am going to shamelessly fanboy. Right now, if you were to enter the Destiny game, you very well may be overwhelmed by everything. Okay. No. Hi, Sophie. Uh, my dog just entered the office. Hi, Sophie. Hey, puppy. <laughs> no, Andy uh, says hi. I have played the game, so I, ha- I have a leg okay. up on people who haven't. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that, That's probably more overwhelming. Gotcha. Um, so it won't be too overwhelming. But um, with the additions of all the DLCs, uh, the, once the first two finally came out, uh, House of Wolves and The Dark Below, it felt like more of a complete game. Mm-hmm. When The Taken King came out, it was well worth the money that you would pay for it. Um, okay. They've added since launch. This will be actually the third social space that they've that, that you can access. So you have like the main tower that's like the center of the city. Oh, interesting. Have, I didn't know there was more have, social spaces. Yep. So you have okay. the first one. So the tower that you get with Vanilla Destiny. Yep. There's the Vestian Outpost, which is um, out on the well, out on the outpost basically of the stars where uh, the Awoken and the Queen kind of reside or is an outpost for the Queen's representatives and there's some additional stuff in that area and now a third one just opened up at Felwinter's Peak and that's where the um, the Iron Lords kind of reside or where their resting place is um, with each of the expansions you get more strikes, you get more gear you get more quests 
But what really has opened the stuff up is, or what has really opened this game up, is the additional... It's not campaign content, it's more activity content. Hmm. So, like, The Rise of Iron just was released. Um, I burned through the campaign missions very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was kind of... It, it was short. It was very short. But the bulk of these expansions aren't necessarily in the campaign. It's in all the additional activities. So to sell you a little bit more on some of the other ones, with the House of Wolves, what you can do is there, there's they opened up what is basically an arena mode, which is the Prison of Elders, where you can go in and you fight wave after wave of enemies and bosses, and you can get uh, activity-specific gear. So you have, like, a full armor set and weapon set that is specific to the Prison of Elders. So there's that whole armor and weapon set. Oh, I'm a big that. World of Warcraft fan, so you're tickling my fancy right oh, now. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna tickle you a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, um, each of the raids, so there there will be a new raid. I don't think it's released yet. I think it, it drops tomorrow. So we're recording this on a Thursday night, the 22nd. I believe it drops on the 23rd. So there will be a third raid that's available, and each of the raids have their own weapon sets. Mm. I mean, starting off, you can do the initial raids, which, I mean, you'll get gear, you'll have fun with the experience, but um, they kind of kept kept them at the difficulty level that they originally were. So they're definitely not endgame content anymore. They're just kind of they're just kind of there. Okay. Um, but the raids, uh, we took Adam on the... Uh, the Oryx raid, the Fallen King. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a lot. It's not just like we're going to go through this marathon session of killing enemies. There's jump puzzles. There's specific mechanics. Um, I don't know how in-depth the raids were in World of Warcraft because I that is one game I never played. never really gotten into yeah. the MMO scene. Very. Um, so, yeah. It's the same idea where it's like okay. you, can't, you can't just be like, let's kill this next mob. It's like you need to know right. which creeps to pull, which is a little bit different because – but, um, yeah, same idea where it's like you need okay. to know which – somebody's got to hit this button, you know. Yes. Um, okay, kind of so stuff. there's yeah. – the whole levels of varying complexities. The Taken King raid it was is easily the most complex mm-hmm. uh, of what to do. So there's all that. So I'm super – also- I was just going to say real quick. I'm super happy to hear this because, like, Destiny was promised as a first-person shooter MMO, basically. They never yes. wanted to say MMO – but like that's what because it is. Because it really right. isn't. No, it really isn't though, because it, it lacks a lot of what I feel the MMOs really do. Like there's no trading between players. Yes, but 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 I guess for me, I mean may, maybe this is just me talking personally, but like an MMO to me is um is raids, is large groups okay. going through leveling up, getting gear that's specific to certain things. That gear allows them to do other things. And like that was not the case in the original destiny really. No, Uh, not really. So it's very cool now that they have these complex things. Cause like, that's fun, right? Like, and and, like once you get it to the point where you can like torch one, that's even more Mm -hmm. fun. Cause like you earn that, right? (laughs) You earn that. And like, that's yeah. That's so anyway, yeah, that's very cool. So, so there's that in the taking King, there's also what they call, um, the court of Oryx, where it's like you bring this rune stone to one of these statues and you present it to the statue and uh, you have this like mini boss battle instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And you can just keep running through that with friends and if there are people already in the that little game area, you can jump in and help them out with fights. So there's plenty of times where it's just like, Hey, is anyone over at the court as I'm patrolling around this one 
map area. And if there's mm-hmm. anybody over there, you can just hop right in and share with the rewards. So there's a bunch That's of different cool. armor sets. Um, they just released another... Well, tomorrow they'll be releasing another raid. By the time this podcast comes out, the raid should be live. So there's going to be a new armor set and weapon set with that. Um, there's other activities to do, just patrolling around the different open world areas. So there's like all sorts of stuff going on. And they added a lot more stuff to this expansion. Uh, so the, the meat of this expansion is in the open world activities and not so much in the campaign itself. Okay. Though I think that is, I mean, listen, they, they picked that battle a long time ago. The campaign is the campaign. It's, it's not yep. what you come to destiny for. Uh, and that's okay. You know, you, not many people are going to crush both things. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's very cool that it, it is what it kind of promised to be at first. And I, I'm trying so hard not to take you off on any tangents because there's so many things I could talk about with Destiny. Oh, um, yeah. Especially um, being a Halo guy and Bungie and, um, there's no matchmaking for the raids. And is that a good thing? That's a 40 minute topic. So I don't even want to get into it, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's a popular well, thing at work. So, you know, obviously like oh, working yeah. in a gaming company, everyone games and everyone has oh, strong yeah. opinions on games. And that was actually something that came up today. And I totally get why oh, they really? don't do it. It's not a technology thing. It, it was a, it was a, a strategical decision. Cause I think it's not a good thing. And I totally get that. Cause matchmaking for a raid is hard because you're matching people up for three hours and whatever. It's- yeah. That's, that's, a, that's one of the things about raids. Like you have to, you've got to commit. Can you, you save <laughs> uh mid raid? There are checkpoints. Okay. That's that awesome. Save. Because as an adult, like when I played world of Warcraft, there was none of that. I think they have added that sense, but um, you know, I didn't care because I was in college and I, you know, right. class, who cares? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, like as an adult, it's like, I just cannot promise you guys I have two and a half hours tonight. I, you know, I just can't. Um, so it's cool that you can kind of do half a raid and then meet up and do it again. That's nice. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. So anyway, uh, Rise of Iron came out. Um, I'm definitely going to be jumping on when we're done with this podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> Are you, you playing more, Xbox? Uh, yeah, I'm playing on Xbox. Okay, so I have the vanilla for PS4. If I ever get back into it, I'll have to really poll all of my friends and see who's playing where. And just as a brief aside, that's one of the reasons I didn't get back into it in The Taken King because I thought about it because it got such great reviews. I would have basically had to buy the game again. Like from vanilla to that from zero, versus not having the game to that was like a $10 mm-hmm. difference basically. It was like that's kind of right. BS, you know, but yeah. it is what it is. I'm gonna check real quick. That might have changed now. God, don't don't even. What are you doing? You're trying to get. Oh, me I'm just. Buy it. I'm just. I'm just giving <laughs> you the information that you need. Actually, <laughs> uh, <sighs> Rise of Iron's a, a DLC only. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. See, I have to do like I have to get a spreadsheet out. Which what do I have to buy? What <laughs> <sighs> if we do Destiny? There's got to be something. Taking King. Oh boy. You're not going to like this. Oh, uh, Taking King uh, Legendary Edition Xbox One game is only $26. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say one other thing about uh, my company is that they give us a game budget to buy games. So I could actually, uh, it'd actually be on that. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, uh, if you happen to jump ship and come over onto Xbox... I will gladly show you around the Cosmodrome, through oh. the Dreadnought, and through the Plaguelands. Damn you, but, Anthony. Uh, Damn you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh.
All right. All right, so we're going to move into this final segment uh, that I like to call the final five. And these are five questions that range from irrelevant to irreverent, and they're designed to get a little bit more uh, – a little bit more tangent conversations going on. I like that intro, so, by the way. That's good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So first question, coffee or tea? Mm, see, this is a very difficult one for me because – Really? It is, and I'll tell you why. Um, I am a coffee guy. I drink coffee every morning. Uh, we have a thing where we all walk to the coffee shop. They have this coffee called Death Wish. It had a Super Bowl commercial. It was like the smallest. Oh yeah, yeah. Ever. Um, wait, quick, quick plug for local businesses. Yes, yes, that Death Wish coffee that you see and swoon over in the stores, and you saw during the Super Bowl if you pay attention to U.S. sports. That is right here in Saratoga, New York. You better believe it, buddy. And it's uh, yeah, it all right. Um, <laughs> so, so that sounds like I'm a coffee guy, right? Uh, right. And the answer, TLDR, the answer is coffee. But I will just say that I get a tea every afternoon, and it's mainly because coffee settles in my stomach a little less well than tea. Um, okay. But I really like tea too, so I don't know. I'm torn. Uh, gun to my head, I'll say coffee. All right. What so, kind of uh, what kind of tea do you go for? Uh, usually green tea. Uh, depends on. Depends on simple with the green tea. That being said, the pumpkin spice, and I can't think of. I could walk over to my counter and see what it is. There is an amazing. Uh, it's a very famous tea that I can't think of the name of right now, but it's uh, the pumpkin one is awesome. Um, <laughs> but I'm still going coffee. Still going coffee. All right. All right. Question two: Do you do any tabletop gaming? Um, as tabletop would only include board games, correct? Or would um, include card games well, as well. Oh, sure. Card games. Anything that you play okay, on the I've, tabletop, I'm going to include. Okay. Games. Okay. I've played a ton of Magic the Gathering. That's really the only tabletop game um, that I think fits that description. I love Magic right. the Gathering. Uh, there is a guy at work who's trying to start a Dungeons & Dragons like Wednesday night thing. I have never played Dungeons & Dragons, which makes me kind of a bad nerd, I feel like. Have you? <laughs> have you ever Do played? Do you still play Magic? Yeah, uh, I haven't in a while, but I, I, I have a couple times at work. Um, I very much enjoy it. I think magic's awesome. Do, do, have right. you played Dungeons and Dragons? I did way okay. back when, when I was hiding my nerd. So th- that's, in the that's early my thing. Mid-90s. Magic the Gathering is the second most nerdy thing you could ever do. I feel like Dungeons and Dragons is the number one that, that just in my experience. Um, mm-hmm. but like, oh, I don't... the nerd runs deep with some of my friends. Yeah. Uh, there are some other that like put, like the nerd level just exceeds Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, it's it, it's up there. It's up there. So, so I watched, you know, Stranger Things, which is the Netflix show, which if you haven't seen, you should totally see. And they oh, I've, and I've seen it. <laughs> okay, great. Mm. And, I, and I saw that, and I'm like, okay, you know, that's that actually looks fun. And but like the thing for me is, it's not that like I think I'm too cool to play Dungeons and Dragons. That's not it at all. I just don't know that I could take myself seriously playing it. That that's my biggest problem with it. Um, okay. Like, I just, I just think I would like, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like phony and cringing when I'm playing it. But at the same time, it's so in my wheelhouse because I read three fantasy books every, well, one fantasy book a month, let's say. Um, okay. Yeah. But I love Magic the Gathering. I think it's one of the greatest games ever. And, uh, I play Hearthstone, but I would prefer to play Magic. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I played Dungeons Dragons. Yeah. Like I said, in like the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was still hiding my nerd, 
at the time. Um, I know. It it's, is a it's lot great of fun. Now that like being a nerd is just like totally acceptable. You know? Oh yeah. It wasn't back then. Um, it still it totally confuses me though. I see people like walking down the street with uh, like a video game t-shirt. I just think back to when, you know, just getting beaten <laughs> mercilessly <laughs> in the locker room. <laughs> for, for, like I like books. Get that nerd, you know. But it's still it's great now, though. I it's like great books. now. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I I don't I like I don't know right. what your time limit is on this. That's why I'm like trying really hard not to take any tangents. But um, oh, don't worry. Like yeah, don't worry. About, don't worry about it at all. I still got yeah. uh, three more questions on this. Okay, let's do uh, it. Yeah, I won't do it yet. Okay, cool. Uh, so how many times did you go to the track this year? Only once this year. Only once. Yep. That's it. All right, birthday. so yep. for for people who may not know, uh, we are in upstate New York, and Saratoga has a basically nationally famous racetrack, I would say. I wouldn't say basically. I would say that it is 100% nationally famous, and I would say that it's the greatest racetrack in the United States. And I'm not just saying that because I live in Saratoga. Um, there are bigger ones. Mm-hmm. There are you know um, ones that get bigger races, but they're actually Saratoga, I would say, has the most consistent – high quality races of the year. You know, they don't oh, get the nice. Kentucky Derby, but the, the mm-hmm. horses they get are awesome. And it's just like, it's smaller, but it's super nice. And, you know, there's a reason that Saratoga gets so many Manhattanites here and like oh, buying yeah. apartments that they live in for one month a year because for it's, one it, month. Yes. I, yeah, we're not even getting about that, I guess but, at most. Uh, Bill Parcells yeah, like also residents. lives here. Just saying. What's that? I said, Bill Parcells also lives here. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, it's funny. You'll hear of people, like residents who own property in Saratoga. They'll just put signs up on their front lawns, like $10 parking, and they just turn their front lawn into like, Dude, income. Dude, it property. makes me so angry because I see, like, these, these like, middle school and high school kids, and 10 is, like, the cheapest. Like, sometimes you see, like, 20, 25 if they're right next to the track, mm-hmm. and they'll fill their whole lawn with, like, 50 cars. And I'm just thinking to myself, that kid just made more money than I made my entire summer job in one night. Yo, for real, though. <laughs> You know, I was driving parts for Napa and he's, uh, he's pulling in five grand in a night. Yeah. Gee, jerk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number four. So <laughs> okay. suppose you're at a wedding or some other mm-hmm. special occasion, the, the type that requires you to put on pants, uh, okay. your clean pants. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't so, like this at all. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you make your way through the crowd, double up to the bar. Mm-hmm. What are you ordering? Mm, okay. So... My drinks of choice, it depends on what time of night it is. Is it the beginning of the night? Is it the end of the night? I'm going, if I had to give one answer, mm-hmm. I'm going to say a bourbon on the rocks, which you'll be surprised Straight up by bourbon. the fact that I, uh, well, yeah, the yes. ape of bourbon. <laughs> ape of bourbon, yeah. Um, if it's early in the night, it will probably be some sort of IPA beer. If it's the end of the night, it's a gin martini dirty. Dirty martini guy. Mm, All right. right. Yeah, I've started recently getting into some of the uh, the old man drinks, uh, basically because the they best. taste good. They're, They're the best, so man. good. If you ever come to Saratoga, Nine Maple is 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 your jam. That's the, that's got the best drinks in Saratoga. All right. Yeah, I've been uh, ordering a Manhattan mm-hmm. or a uh, Brandy Old Fashioned. Mm, th- those are high on the list too. Those those might sneak in there instead of the gin martini's dangerous. Um, so yeah, I might that's a lot go, of alcohol. If right I was going to get some sort of very strong mixed drink as opposed to a martini, which is basically straight gin. Just straight, yeah. Uh, I would probably go with a Manhattan. All right. And one last random question. What is your favorite role played by Alan Rickman? 
<laughs> Am I going to have to Google Alan Rickman? Oh, you know oh, who Alan what have Rickman. I done? It's oh, uh, I see. Oh, yes, I know who that is. Um, okay, good. Obviously. Um, hmm. So I know the obvious choice. Let me think. Let me just just before I answer, I just want to check the IMDb, make sure I'm not missing anything obvious. All right, okay, I do, we're gonna. I, I do remember him from Die Hard. Gosh, this is a curveball at the end of these questions. <laughs> Son of a bee. Uh, oh God, he was good at Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy too. Mm. So many choices. Can't so many choices. Uh, I'm gonna have to be the loser and say uh, Harry Potter, though. Considering I read every book and saw every movie, gonna go for Snape. Sorry, I'm the correct answer Snape. we're looking for is Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber <laughs> is the one we were looking for. Damn it! I didn't know there were like prizes in this. <laughs> oh, I know that is that is that was that, like I said that was close. That was close. That, that was um, the obvious one. <laughs> but Snape will give respect for Snape. I know. I, I think I deserve some respect for acknowledging that one and then picking the obvious one. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, and that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on my personal Twitter at hypersyntax as at H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X or you can follow this podcast directly at Pod, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash videogamecrosstalk. The podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at videogamecrosstalk.podbean.com. As for my guest, Andy, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? I am a very creative Twitter handle, Andy Polidor. Um, you can follow my former podcast slash current podcast because I love those guys and I will always be involved, 8-Bit Bourbon. Um, and those are really the only two important things I would say. By the way, let me just ask you one quick question. Do you, uh, do you regret your Twitter handle now that you have to say it every single week? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's every other week, but you know what? No, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It is. I, I love it. Um. <laughs> Honestly, because I can go onto like every forum, uh, right. and use that there. as a, that, that is never used. Yeah. No one That's ever fair. uses hypersyntax that spelled that way. All right. And finally, if you are a gamer or you know a gamer that wants to talk some tech or science news, let me know. Do you know of some tech news that you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets on what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts, and we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Andy, thank you so much for coming through. Thanks for having me, man. You are a natural podcast host. Uh, I very much enjoy the show, and I just have been busy at work, but I would like to catch up on uh, the episodes that you put out already. All right. Thank you so much. And until next time, in the words of William Gibson, the future is here. It's just not widely distributed.